Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you ready for the Word today? If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 26. We're continuing on in a series referring to the wells of Isaac. Say the wells of Isaac. Keep in mind that from this text we're drawing what I believe is an important elements, truths for the access of God's promises and benefits in our life. Amen? Genesis 26, out of the Amplified Translation, if you don't have it on your phone or iPad or Bible in front of you, you can look to the screen, verse 18, it says, Now Isaac again dug and reopened the wells of water. Isaac dug, he reopened, he was digging to reopen the wells of water, which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham. Because the Philistines had filled them up with dirt after the death of Abraham. Has anybody ever had enemies in your life? Have you ever had enemies that are trying to pollute your well, fill your well with dirt, take wind out of your sail, you could say? And he gave the wells the same name that that his father had given them. I want you to notice last week we talked about in the wells of Abraham at the time, Keep in mind from a practical standpoint, this was a God idea. We look at it through our context. We have water. We don't think about water. Turn on the faucet. There it is. We don't think about the intricate system. But in the the time of their lives, water was a precious, precious thing. We don't think water is important until you don't have it. You're like, I'm just struggling with food. Well, if all of a sudden you didn't have water, food becomes a lower element on your... your chain of importance. And it was important for, the, for Abraham. It was important for Abraham's family. It was important for Abraham's livestock because now in that day, they had to move them from place to place looking for water that had settled from the earth. So when rain would come down and would leave a puddle or a cavern or a cistern or whatever, they had to move around looking for where there might be water. So that means they could spend all day walking just looking for water. I mean, that's like driving all day looking for three cents cheaper on gas. Come on, somebody. The very fact that you'll drive 30 miles to save a nickel is counterintuitive. Do you know what I'm saying? You're spending more money on gas that you're burning just to find the gas that you're trying to... Oh, I found it. It's three cents a gallon cheaper. Where is it at? Two hours away. By the time you get back, you have to leave again. So they would have to spend time, hours, sometimes all day, looking for water for their livestock. But once they had a well, then the livestock could stay around and relax. You know what happens with the animals that stay around and relax and and can do nothing but eat and drink at their pleasure? Same thing that happens to us. Come on, somebody. We become more blessed. And when livestock are enlarged, you can say, they're worth more money. So when anybody wanted to buy some livestock, cattle or what it might be, why would they go looking for somebody that owned them but had to keep moving? You don't know where they're at. And their cattle, their livestock wasn't near as good as Abraham's because they knew where Abraham would always be by as well. And they would know that his livestock were the best because they could just sit around and eat and drink all they wanted. So when you bring home a cow to butcher, it's not like, where'd you get that? 
Where'd you get that cat? It's not a cat, it's a cow. That's a skinny cow. No, you want something big. So it was, a, it was the wisdom of God that created the blessing of God. Now, sometimes we've got to keep that in mind because when we talk about the blessings of God, a lot of times in our New Testament and our modern-day thinking, we're just waiting for God to back up the train or back up the truck. Beep, beep, beep. And we go out to our mailbox, and all of a sudden we open up our mailbox, and there's this envelope of cash and, and no address, returning address, and your name on it. Come on, somebody. Don't, don't look at me that way because some of you prayed that back in the day. Oh, Lord, I keep going to my mailbox. I'm looking for the blessing. A lot of times it doesn't happen that way. The, the Word of God tells us, given it shall be given good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over child men. God uses people. He uses the natural system. Sometimes it's people coming up and say, I want to give you something. Sometimes it's the revelation of God on how what you're doing can be done better and different that maybe nobody else in your industry has thought of. You know, knowledge increases, right? I love, I love movies that talk about time travel. One day when I get to heaven, you know what I mean? I'm gonna, I, I love time travel. Einstein, according to his theory, proves it's possible. You know what I mean? Wouldn't it be cool to go back in time? I mean, first thing I do is buy stock. Come on, somebody, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I would know what stock to buy and when to sell. I would go to my younger self and say, don't even argue with me, just do this. Some of you would go and bet. I know you would, I know you would. You're still working on that carnality thing. But to go back and have the wisdom of today and take it back into the past and saying, here's what you need to do. And your younger self might say, hey, I don't even understand that. I know it hasn't been invented yet. But I'm telling you something before it becomes popular or invented. Now, you think that's crazy, not in the Bible. But the Bible tells us that wisdom gives us ideas of witty, witty inventions. Yeah. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will speak of things to come. Oh, that's just about this thing. Who said that? The Holy Spirit, he knows everything. Yeah. The Lord knows everything. Amen. Past, present, and future. How about all of a sudden God shows you how to run your business better, maybe with ideas that has yet been thought of? Knowledge is always increasing. That's why there's always new books being written. Because what worked today or what worked 10 years ago might not be working tomorrow. And so there's always a progressive of knowledge. In fact, they tell us scientifically that in 20 years, what you use 80% on a daily basis has yet to be invented. And that's an ongoing idea. So when people say, oh, there's nothing else to be invented, if you could hit a button and if the Lord tarries and we go 20 years from the future, what we use on a daily basis, 80% of those things have yet to be invented. Some of us are just glad that we're caught up with the consumption side and we are able to get that iPhone. Come on, somebody. What if we start opening our minds and say, Lord, show me the next thing coming down the road so I can be a part of bringing what you know is already available so that you can begin to inherit what God's already provided. Okay, we don't go down that road. Some of you, I think I just kind of... So Abraham's idea of a well was a really a modern-day futuristic idea, and it was a, one of the ways that God used to promote and bless them. Because if it didn't rain, they still had the well. As long as you had the well, you had access to water that was not seen in the natural but was down below the surface. Not only in the natural side, but even the spiritual side. 
There's things that God has available for us. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered the heart of man. The things that God has prepared, already prepared. There are things that God has already prepared for you before you were born and knew you had need of them or would give you pleasure or help you advance in the destiny of God. He already prepared them. When did he do it? At the cross of Calvary. How do I get to it? I have to begin to see it. How do I see it? He reveals them to us by his spirit. And so the Holy Spirit through the word of God reveals to us what is available to us that we don't see in the natural but has already been prepared by God for us. And we have to learn how to reach down and draw it. Just because you have a well doesn't mean you're drinking well. You have to be willing to reach down and get it and bring it back to yourself. Does that mean anything to somebody? So Abraham had these wells. And because Isaac was the heir to Abraham... When Abraham died, the heir gets all of the inheritance of the father. So that means in the natural, when Abraham died, it came to Isaac. So when Abraham had livestock, whose livestock was it after Abraham died? Isaac. Whose tents? Isaac. Whose servants? Isaac. Whose money? Isaac. Whose wells? Isaac. But something in the translation... For whatever reason, when Abraham passed away, for whatever reason, and the Bible doesn't tell us, Isaac didn't value the wells at the beginning. Why do we know that? Because it said the Philistines waited till Abraham died. And they said earlier on, Abraham has died. Let's fill those wells up with dirt. That's an interesting idea. You would think, everybody deals with enemies. If you're looking for to live a life one day where everybody likes you and everybody applauds you and everybody's in your corner, you're going to wait a long time. <laughs> well, if, if I become successful, they'll all like me. No, when you become more successful, more people like you, but more people hate you. Because right. not everybody's happy when you're happy. That's just right. a reality. As long as you live life trying to get a, a vote and approval, you live under the stress of, of, of the impossibility. And we don't know and understand why, but the Philistines said, hey, Abraham's dead. Let's fill their, the wells with dirt. And you would think that if they didn't like Abraham or were jealous of the well, that they would begin to try to take over the well and draw their own water from the well, right? You would think if someone sees you happy, they would say, How, why are you so happy? I want some of that. They see you experiencing God, they would say, what are you doing? I want some of that. They see you all of a sudden being promoted at work or in life and being blessed. How are you getting that blessing? I want some of that. How how are you look like you're feeling better? I want some of that. Do you know what a lot of people do? Oh, you must think you're just better than me now. They don't want to know what you did to earn that raise or promotion or start a new business, see it's successful. They just look at it and say, "Mm, that's not going to last. What are they doing? They're adding dirt into your well. Well, God doesn't do that anymore. They're adding dirt into your well. And Isaac, for whatever reason, didn't value the wells of his father enough to stand up and say, wait a minute. We know Abraham must have because they didn't try to put dirt in Abraham's well while he was alive. They waited till he was dead. But Isaac, they were like, it's Isaac's got him now. Let's fill him up. Let's stop him. And this is not just a generational thing. And what you have to understand that God is a big God. And he sees not just the moment. He looks at generations. The Bible tells us that uh, in Numbers that when wicked people, they will be judged. And God remembers and judges them and their children for three or four generations. 
But to the righteous, the Bible says in Deuteronomy, to the righteous, he honors and shows mercy up to a thousand generations. So there's a generational blessing. Say, I live in a generational blessing. You might say, but my parents were bad. You know what? When you got born again, that changed. And now you are a new creation, a new creature in Christ. You are in a new family, and you become a part of God's generational blessing. If you believe that, take 10 seconds and give them a praise. You don't have to live under the fear of the generational curses. You can say, nope, I'm not under that curse anymore. I am redeemed. I'm in a new family line. I am in the generational blessing. Amen. Say, I'm a part of a generational blessing. So Isaac, for whatever reason, didn't value what his father, father had done. And I understand that because as parents and as children, we've all gone through that process. If we haven't paid the price for something, we don't understand the value of it. Have you ever bought your children something for Christmas and it cost you a little more than you really were planning on it? You stretched the budget just a little bit. Maybe you had to personally sacrifice a little bit. And then you're so excited about it and you give it to them on Christmas and they look at it and go, oh, okay, and set it down. And if that wasn't bad enough, they'll go play with the empty box that costs you nothing. <laughs> Come on, somebody. They, they do not understand the cost. And many times when you don't understand the cost, you don't understand the value. Right. If we don't understand the cost the generations before had to pay for what we enjoy today, that's practically and spiritually. That's our freedom from the soldiers who have fought for us. For the freedoms we have by the lost legal system, but people who sacrifice to get things changed. To the spiritual things of people who had to pray and fast and seek God and experience God and see God bring in from heaven into the earth truths and revelations. And some of us, let's be real, some of us, I'll throw myself into that, we are, in the, even in the spiritual side, we are spiritually spiritual brats. We walk around enjoying the presence of God, but we don't understand the price that was paid to have the anointing. We talk about, because we grow up in an environment and we see people get saved and delivered and healed, and we're like, oh, no big deal, because we, we don't understand the price that was paid to be used by God. And we think everything should just be grandfathered in, and we should automatically keep the flow, but if we don't realize that the enemy who's come to steal, kill, and destroy will try to put dirt in the well. Even in the things of our own life, have you ever had it where all of a sudden you begin to say, I'm going to begin to pray and believe for this because I know years ago God did this for me. And the devil whisper, oh, that was when you were a young Christian. Things have changed. Hmm. Isaac had to learn to stand up and defend the well. Say, defend the well. And it goes on that it says, then he began to redig the wells of his father and renamed them. You know why you have to rename something? Because somebody else has already changed it. Why would he rename the wells the name that his, his father Abraham gave the wells? Unless the Philistines, when they were filling it up, changed the identity of it. The enemy will try to not only dry up the flow of God's presence and truth and revelation in your life, he'll try to identify it and rename it so then you don't value it.
doesn't matter if it's God's peace, the joy of the Lord is your strength, the presence of God, the truth of God's word. Oh, we don't need the word anymore. We have revelation beyond the word. There is no, there is no such thing as truth beyond the word of God. That's what you call doctrine of devils. We continue to get truth from the Word of God, but nothing ever above the Word of God. Because the Bible tells us, Psalms 119, that He has elevated His Word above His name. Heaven and earth will pass away before my Word fails, Jesus said. As the Word goes forth, it will not return void, but accomplish that to which it's sent. He upholds all things by the Word of His power. King James translation. Uh, I've had people tell me that, oh, well, we don't need the word, you know, the Bible anymore because, you know, because we have the Holy Spirit. We have greater revelation. Listen, the Holy Spirit doesn't move you beyond the word. Jesus said he'll never speak of himself. He'll always remind you of what I have said. We just got to stick to the word, amen, and begin to redig the wells. It's one thing to know where they were. It's one thing to know what it was like to drink from it. It's one thing to say, oh, I remember the experience of it. It's another thing to say, am I drinking from that well again? We, some of us, we got to get back to the well of peace and say, am I drinking of that well again? Because some people are living under the torment of fear out in the real world. and they're, they're doing everything trying to get peace back in their home from strife and hatred and division. And the enemy's trying to bring that in society. But someone's got to get back to the well of peace and say, I'm going to begin to drink from a well that I haven't been to in a long time. Some of you, we got to get back to the well of God's love and begin to say, listen, I can experience God's love, but I can also show God's love. I can have God's love in my life where I truly love people that seemed unlovable yesterday, but today I have the love of God for Why? Because I'm drinking from the well of God's love. I'm drinking from the well of God's presence. I'm drinking from the well of God's Are you listening to me today? If we sit back and talk about, oh, I remember those good prayer meetings back in the day when God, praise God, when we were drinking from the well years ago, but the the water from years ago, we need some fresh drinking today. We got to get back to the well and say, let me get back into the presence of God. Let me get back into the word of God because this word is still valid. It's still true. It still has merit. It still has importance. It is the foundation for our life, regardless of its sun shining or storming the word of God is eternal forever. But we have to redig the well. We have to redig the well. How do we do that? Number one. We have to begin to understand that the water in the well is our portion from God. Did you hear me? Say, it's my portion. Say, it's my portion. You remember the parable that Jesus taught about the prodigal son? And when he had spent all his father's inheritance, and all his friends had left, and famine had hit, and he was feeding the swine, and he was hungry, he was so hungry that even what the swine were eating, I don't know about, maybe you have one of these little pigs as a pet in your house, and you feed them steak and lobster, I don't know. But most, when you, that day and time culture, swine didn't eat the best. They ate the worst. In fact, it was so bad in that culture, if you were Jewish, you were not even supposed to touch swine. Might as well feed them. And one day, he began to hunger and have, an, have a desire, an appetite. For the thing that he would never touch, he began to have an appetite for what they were eating. And he said, why am I? The Bible says, when he came to himself, he said, why do I sit here? in this poverty, in this place, 
when even my father's employees have so much more. You know what was happening? He wasn't coming to himself because he, or awakening to the problem because he hit the bottom. Well, we've heard people say that. Let them just hit the bottom. And when they hit the bottom, then they'll wake up. Sometimes they don't. Because hitting the bottom doesn't wake people up. We could take you to the streets where there's people who were at the top and hit the bottom and today live on the streets as alcoholics and drug addicts because hitting the bottom doesn't wake people up. You know what woke him up? The revelation of the goodness of his father. He said, does not my father have, is so generous that even his servants, even his employees has more than enough. Why am I staying here? He came to himself. He came back to the reality of who he was and what belonged to him. As long as we walk by the well and don't think it's our portion, we'll never dig. Because nobody likes digging. We only like drinking. I'll let somebody else dig and I'll just get a little bit of the water that they have. But it's one thing to drink from the cup that belongs to somebody else. And you better hope somebody else who ever had water for you before shows up when you need it again. But times of our lives we've realized sometimes there's not a service. Sometimes they're not in town. Sometimes they're not near or available to take your call. And if you want to continue to access the water that belongs to you, we got to realize I don't need to drink from the cup that is owned by you. I need to get my own cup and my own well and my own water so that I can drink when I'm thirsty. I can drink when I need it. There's a price to be paid to get rid of the dirt. But what the enemy tries to do is to convince us that we are no longer qualified for the water in the well. Say, it's my well and I have right to the water. That's what we call faith. When you come to the understanding of just not, oh, God, help me. But when you come to the revelation of by his stripes, I was healed. Therefore, because of Jesus, healing belongs to me. Matthew tells us that healing is bread for the children. That What does that mean? You have to get to an ownership of healing. You have to get the ownership of God's blessing. You have to get the ownership of God's peace. You have to get the ownership of God's joy. Wait a minute. Jesus said, I'm giving you this, and I'm not going to take it away. What are we doing? we got to realize it belongs to me. I might not be feeling it. I might not be seeing it. I might not hear it. I might not be able to smell the aroma of it, but there's water down low. It's been covered up by dirt, and that water belongs to me. Say, it's mine. mine. Hebrews 11 tells us, faith is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. Mark 11, 23, 24 talks about if you believe, you have received it. What is it? You quit walking by it. You quit talking about it. You begin to start digging for it and saying, there's water. I know there's water here. I'm not seeing it, but it belongs to me. I'm not feeling it, but it belongs to me. And I'm going to dig until I begin to once again drink from the well that belongs to me, from my Father. The mystery is in the history The enemy tries to use what is behind us to disqualify us for what God's provided in front of us. The secret, the mystery is in the history. And it's not looking at the past of who we were and what we did wrong or what we overly did right. It's learning to have a different perspective. I remember years ago I was uh, test driving this car, and it was actually a truck, and as I got into it, they're like, you know, with a truck there can be stuff that blocks your view, and so the rear view mirror can be obstructed. So when you're driving, you have to be able to see out of the rear view mirror. 
so you can see where you're coming from and what's behind you. And so they said, we, we have this new technology, and this years ago, and it may be, I, I don't know, I didn't buy the vehicle, so I don't have it on my own car right now, but uh, I assume it's still there. And they said, that all you have to do is, when that happens, is right by the rearview mirror, for all the truck owners, you can tell me later if this is on yours or not, is under the rearview mirror, there's a little switch. And just flip that switch. And when you flip that switch, a camera on the back is activated. And when that camera is activated, it displays it on the, the rearview mirror. As if you're looking into a reflection, now you're looking at into a projection from the camera. Right. And now you can see what's behind you without clutter. The things that would block your view are now eliminated. And you can drive, you can have things packed behind you where you can't see in the natural, but you flip this little switch in, and now that little rear, that rear view mirror becomes more of a, like an LED screen. And you can see the camera. What am I telling you? Some of us, we're driving through the rhythm of life. And every time we begin to dig toward what God has for us, we kind of glance up. And if we're not careful, we'll see where we've been. We'll see the clutter and the stuff that the enemy reminds us of why we are not qualified for the water than the well. He'll tell us, oh, you've had this messed up life. You made bad choices. God's not, God's not happy with you anymore. You just should be glad that you, you could be a servant and get to heaven. That's all God has for you. Just like the prodigal son. And the father said, no, that's not good enough. I'm repositioning you. Yeah. I'm repositioning you into the place of sonship. Look to your neighbor saying, you're getting repositioned today. Into what God has for you. What am I telling you? That when we learn to flip the switch, we begin to see clearly, not from our natural perspective, but their perspective of God. Because where the enemy says, remember that sin, I'm flipping the switch, and I'm hearing God saying, I have cleansed you. I am faithful and just, and I have cleansed you from all unrighteousness. Are you listening to me? When I flip the switch, I don't see myself in the past as, oh, I was a horrible person. All of a sudden, I see I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Why? Because the devil will tell you, you don't deserve it. You haven't earned it. You can't qualify for it. But something on the inside, let it be the anointing and the word of God will stir up and remind you, it's not about you. It's all about Jesus. And when Jesus was on the cross, the Father looked down to Jesus, and he put the sin of humanity on Jesus, and he treated him as if he lived your life so that he could treat you as if you lived Jesus' life. Are you listening to me today? Because flip the switch and you don't see your past. You begin, you begin to see the past of the life of Jesus who was righteous and holy and never sinned and say, wow, I can access the benefits of his obedience. Why? Because it's no longer I that lives. Somebody talk to me. If you know that it's in the Bible, it's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ who lives in me and the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God. God, who loved me and cared for me. That means when I take a step, if I look back, I don't see where Greg's been. I see where Jesus has been. It's not me anymore. It's not me anymore. I'm flipping the switch. I'm flipping the switch. So my perspective changes. So my attitude changes. So when the enemy tells me, you can't have it, you can rise up and say, I can't have it because it's not because of me. It's all because of Jesus. And it belongs to me. I receive. I'm the beneficiary. I am. I get the benefit of his obedience. Say it's mine. Understand it's God's portion for you. It doesn't mean you don't have to fight for it. You got to dig some dirt out of there. You got to dig the well. 
you got to strive to enter into his rest in that faith. There's some things you got to do. But the reality is, you begin to say, wait a minute. It belongs to me. Coming to the revelation from the word of God of what he has for you, for the promises of God, the Bible says the promises of God, challenge everything, the promises of God are yea and amen. That's a King James translation. It literally means the promises that he has spoken to you as his child are approved and so be it, which means, sure, you don't have to worry about it. It's taken care of. Now you just have to inherit it. You just have to receive it. Hebrews 6, 12 through faith and patience. You got to walk out the process, which brings us to the number two. Number one was we have to understand God's portion for us and we have to understand God's process John chapter 8 verse 31 then this said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him are you looking at that verse they'll pull it up in a second then said Jesus to who those Jews which believed which believed not going to believe not that he was trying to get them to believe he's talking to people who had already believed so we have context. How many believers we have in the house? What a great crowd today. Can't even see people in the very back. God bless you. Then said Jesus to those who believed on him, notice if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. If you continue in my word, if you continue in my word, if you continue in my word, then, 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 what's the condition? Continuing in his word. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And then you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Freedom comes from truth. Truth comes from the word. Truth is when the word's revealed. How do I get the word revealed? I keep digging. If you continue in my word. The Bible tells us that in the day of battle, we're to put on the whole armor of God. And part of the armor of God is our loins girt about with truth. Part of that process, not to go too deep in that, part of the process is a system that God created even in our natural body so that we have anything that is toxic or not supposed to be there that is not beneficial comes out in the waste. Yes. So when you hear something that is not in line with the word of God, the truth will help it be eliminated. Amen. What do we do? Well, sometimes it, it's like somebody who, I'm not going to go there. It's like people that are not able to pass anything out. It all builds up and backs up. Nasty. See, when you're digging dirt, you just don't hold it and put it in your pockets. You get rid of it. Right. What am I telling you? For us to get, some of us, we, we have had a pendulum swing in the wrong direction. No one here. Someone who's watching online. And those watching online, not you, the person sitting next to you. And we used to once believed. And then we changed our belief system. Because someone began to speak words of discouragement, gave you a hard time about it. Maybe somebody at work mocked you for praying. And you begin to be conformed, Romans 12, to the world. But it says, do not be conformed to this world or its thinking or system, but be transformed 
by the renewing. Do you know why you have to have something renewed? Because it's no longer new. It used to be new, and it lost its newness. And so you have to do, it doesn't matter if you're changing, if you're polishing and waxing your car, you, sometimes you gotta get that oxidation off, off the outside layer. What are you doing? You're bringing back the newness. Yeah. How do you bring back the newness? The removal of the toxins on the outside that dulled what was once new. Right. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. How? By the word of God. So as you study the word, as you read the word, as you meditate on the word, it begins to change your perspective again back to the truth of what God's word says. Amen. And you might sit here today and say, you know, I used to believe in healing. But, you know, I don't believe in that anymore. I just figured that it worked for some, and it's kind of a hap chance. And, or I used to believe in peace. I used to believe in God helping us be successful. I used to, whatever it might be. And you got to a place that the world and life and circumstances begin to change our perspective. And this is a human tendency because a lot of people in the church world will define the world, excuse me, define the word by their world instead of defining the world by the word. Right. Well, this happened to me, so that must not be right in the Bible. Well, it, it, the word is still true. Right. Even if your situation didn't work out the way you thought it should, there's yeah. still more to the situation that you understand. Right. But the word is eternal. Say the word is eternal. The Bible says, don't look at the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen, because the things which are seen are temporal, subject to change is a better translation, and the things which are unseen are eternal, not subject to change. Where is that water? It's below surface. I don't see it, but it's still there. And I have to be willing to dig. And every time you spend time in a service, every time you spend time in the Word of God, every time you spend time in God's presence, every in, it's like an investment. It is doing something. You might not see it at the beginning, but as you keep in it, it begins to produce increased change in your life. Amen. You might say, Pastor, I only see dirt. Keep digging. Pastor, all I have is dirt on my hands. Keep digging. Yeah. I've been digging so long I can taste dirt. Keep digging. Keep digging until you taste the water. Don't stop. Keep digging. Redig the wells that belong to you with the mindset of God. You said it. I believe it. And like the Bible says, I'm not moved by what I feel here. See, I'm moved by your word. And I'm going to redig. I'm going to get scriptures on that area. And I'm going to redig it. I'm going to put it in my mind and my heart. And I'm going to let the word of God. It's the, remember the last series we did about dynamic declarations. The word of God is dynamic and it's working. You don't have to do. There's some stuff you don't have to do. There is some stuff you have to do. James says, faith without works is dead. Do what God shows you to. Spend time. Hebrews 4. Strive to enter into his rest. Spend time in the word of God. Get encouraged by the word of God. And as you keep doing it, the dynamic working power of the word begins to change. It's removing dirt out of your well, and it's not in a moment. It's not always in a day. It might not be in a week or a month, but you keep digging, and one day, I promise you, the water that belongs to you that's been buried by the dirt, one day that dirt is going to remove, be removed, and you're going to start tasting water and say, wait a minute, I'm beginning to be refreshed by the water of the well. I'm being refreshed by the presence of God. I'm being refreshed by the truth of God's word. Are you with me? And your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. This he spoke of the Holy Spirit. Shall redig the well. 
We redig the well by understanding that the water in the well belongs to us. It's God's portion. If it's in the Word, if it's in the promises of the New Covenant, the New Testament, if it's in the New Testament, it's in the blood covenant. If it's in the blood covenant, that's who we're purchased by. That's the contract we have with God. If it's in the New Covenant, it belongs to you. Amen. Understand the process of God. I have to begin to spend time in the Word and in His presence and prayer. And keep digging, keep digging, keep digging, keep digging until I hit water. Amen. Understand God's portion, understand God's process, and begin redigging the wells in your life. Amen. Amen. We're done. We give the Lord a hand clap of praise. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm not asking if you know about God. I'm asking you this one simple question. In the way you process and the way you experience, do you know Jesus Christ for yourself in a way that you know that, number one, he's your Lord, and number two, that he's your Savior? Your, your Heavenly Father loves you so much. Heaven's not for good people. Heaven's for forgiven people. Good people don't make it to heaven. Only forgiven people do. Because there's none good but one, and that's Jesus. He paid the price. It's all about him. Well, isn't there other ways I can get to heaven? Nope. Nobody else was able to pay the price. Because once you've sinned once, you were in sin of the law. Jesus paid the price so that you could be forgiven. When you lay your head on your pillow tonight, you can know without any question, shadow, or doubt that Jesus is real and he's your Lord and Savior. This is one of the greatest miracles. This is not a sign up to be a better person club. This is having a real relationship with Jesus. I'm not into religion. I'm into a real relationship with Jesus. You can know that you have a real relationship with Jesus. You can know that you're going to heaven and not going to hell. You can have the peace and the joy of God that belongs to you. That weight of condemnation and guilt is removed. That dark cloud, that heaviness that seems to follow you, removed in the name of Jesus. How do I get that, Pastor, you might ask? The Bible says that Romans said, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus said in Revelation 3, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open up, I'll come in. So we're going to lead you in a simple prayer that will have eternal, powerful changes. If you do not know him, or if you used to and you allowed stuff to become between you and God and you know your heart's not right, this is your day, your moment to make things right. With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one moving around. This is too important. If you do not know him and you want to, let this prayer come out of your mouth as I lead you. Say with me, Heavenly Father, I repent of all my sins. I turn to you today. I believe in my heart. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came to this earth in the flesh, died on a cross for my sins, was buried for me, and on the third day rose again for me. Because I believe that. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart Wash me in your blood. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Give me a fresh start. Say, Jesus, I don't want a religion. I want a real relationship with you. So I open up the door of my heart and life, and I invite you in to be my Savior and my Lord. 
thank you for saving me. I decree today that I am saved. I'm going to heaven. I belong to you. In Jesus' name. And everybody shouted, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise, will you? If you prayed that prayer, I want to take a few seconds and encourage you and also speak a blessing over your life. This is so important in my opinion because one of the things that gets lost in our Christian walk if we're not realizing and focusing on it is the tenacity of God. It doesn't mean you have to be rude. It doesn't mean you have to just tell everybody. God wants you to tell somebody that you got saved, but he'll show you the right one. Not everyone, the right one. And it might be more than one. Usually it is. But if we're not careful, the devil will try to trip us up by getting us to say to people that God hasn't designed for us to speak to, and then they reject it, and we're like, oh, I can't tell nobody. No. God will show you. You're called to make a difference to somebody. But we need a strength, the tenacity to not only to, to share and invite people to church and to get to know Jesus, but also to stand up against sin and quit following the flow of whatever is happening in the moment. Well, I don't want to tell anybody, no, I don't want to get mad at me. Listen, if they get mad at you because you don't go to the bar, it is what it is. Sometimes it's okay to have those people no longer in your, in your life. And God, anybody you lose because you're going to serve God, God will bring back better people, more people in your life to be encouragement to you. The devil won't let you see that. The devil will say, oh, you'll be alone and no one will be your friend anymore. No, that's just a lie of the devil. You trust God and watch God do what only God can do. So at the count of three, if you prayed that prayer, I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm here to pray with you and speak a blessing over your life. You say, but I'm not comfortable standing up in front of people I don't know. I get it. None of us are. But if it's hard to stand up for Jesus in a room where people are applauding you, what is it like when we stand out in the world who's trying to mock us? For... So we need a tenacity in the church world. Amen? And, and only God can give you that. Some of us are born with it. Some of us don't have it. But with Jesus, all of us can operate in it. And so at the count of three, if you prayed that prayer for salvation, just so I know who I'm praying with and also so I can speak a blessing over your life, at the count of three, I want you to stand up. Now, some of you are bold. You'll stand up quick. Some are maybe passive a little bit, but that's okay. I want the bold one to stand up quick so those who are questioning it can stand up and be encouraged by it. Are you with me? So at the count of three, if you prayed that prayer and you meant business with the Lord and you're taking a stand for him today, at the count of three, I want you to stand to your feet. One, two, three. Stand up in the name of Jesus. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. There's two. Thank you. Three. Thank you. Four. God bless you. Any, anybody else? So look at five. God bless you. Six. God bless you. Stay standing. Stay standing. Come on. Somebody even in the coffee house is standing up for Jesus. Come on. We've had people that are in line and ready for food. Stand up for Jesus. Stretch your hands toward him. God bless each and every one of you. We commend you. Let me speak a blessing. Father, in the name of Jesus, according to your word, I thank you for every person standing right now. We seal them with the blood of Jesus and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We sanctify them. We set them apart right now for your work and destiny and purpose. Even if they have no idea what they're here for in life, right now I ask you to birth within them the direction and destiny on the inside of their heart. They'll, they'll begin to understand and see that there's a purpose for them. Just not to live and run through the routine but you have your hand on their life i thank you for the anointing on each and every one of their life and any tactic strategy or devil or person that would try to hinder them we bind its influence and effectiveness and we set them free i don't care what addiction they might have came in this room with today it's broken i don't care what fears they're dealing with today it's gone i don't care what sickness today it's gone i thank you father god that you are the god of more than enough 
And I ask you to fill them, touch them, bless them, and give them by the power of your spirit. Your word says that you will strengthen them with might by your spirit in the inner man. We thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone shouted, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. God bless you. You may be seated.